Kevin DeYoung suggested the following. He said, one is that we hardly take time to pray. Maybe you've been to a prayer meeting. I certainly have been. There's a lot of pastoral gatherings for prayer. There's plenty of options for me to gather um, almost every day of the week if I want to, to find a, a cluster of, of pastors who are praying. The vast majority of them will meet for an hour and pray for about five minutes of that. I mean, you're, there's, there's just a lot of talking. There's a lot of talking about ministry or about the prayer request. You know, it takes... Uh, five minutes to share a prayer request that then is prayed for in 10 seconds. And so oftentimes that's why prayer meetings fail because people get kind of tired of actually going to a prayer meeting and then not praying. Secondly, some individuals pray too long. I think that might be, I might be guilty of that at times. Sometimes I think, well, if I'm not praying, no one's going to pray, so I better just keep praying. And I'll just pray about anything and everything that comes to mind. And 20 minutes later, I'm like, wow, I had no idea. And no one feels comfortable praying after that, right? Because they just think they're not going to pray for anything close to that. So I think that can be a detriment, right? When we pray together as a group, I think it would be helpful if we keep our sentences short, our prayer uh, brief so that others can pray with us. Now, if it's a small group, two to three or four, you know, you might pray longer or, or you might just take more time rotating through uh, various um, turns. But keeping prayers shorter is helpful. Third, too few people participate. Um, uh, that is just a given, right? You show up to a prayer meeting expecting there to be 20 and there's two all of a sudden, there's a lot of spotlight on you. There's a lot of, of kind of responsibility that you've got to participate now. And so I think because too few participate, it does restrict others from getting involved. Sometimes, you know, people want to be able to, to, to fit into a larger group, and, and that way their participation, their participation is minimal. Um, fourth, no one has prepared to lead. And, and I think this um, is also a detriment at times as you gather for prayer, and there's really no instruction on what to pray for. You kind of sit down and everyone's, okay, what do you want to pray about? And so you end up talking a long time, again, about prayer instead of actually praying. But when there's someone leading that prayer, taking, has taken the time ahead of time to think about what requests we're going to pray for, or at least what categories of prayer, even that can be helpful. For, you know, let's spend the next five minutes just adoring God. Let's spend the next five minutes just giving God thanks. And then let's spend the next five minutes just confessing our sin, right? That, those categories, all of a sudden, you're, you spend 30 minutes in prayer and you haven't even really tried. A, a good leader can lead people in prayer well. Uh, fifth, oftentimes in prayer meetings, there's no variety. So you come to a prayer meeting and it's like, it's the same request. It's the same style of prayer, like in, this, in terms of not style, but I mean um, content, the same words are said. Maybe it, if you're like me, when you, you kind of get into a pattern, especially praying through, uh, before a meal, where the words are, are kind of the same every meal. You know, you're, you're thanking God. Uh, you're asking for him to, to bless the time um, and, and that it would be edifying conversation that we would glorify him in the way, you know, I mean, there's just certain words that you say and kind of you begin, it becomes a routine and a pattern. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when there isn't a variety, um, it, people can, can become discouraged or distracted. So 
we need to know that there is a wealth of resources to, to guide us in prayer. Uh, the Psalms have every kind of theme you can imagine to guide us in prayer, but all of Scripture, not just the Psalms. Right? We can be looking to all of God's Word to help us to think through what things we can pray for, and then it's not limited to that. Certainly, we can come and we can bring the burdens that are on our mind, the challenges that we face uh, to pray for one another. But I think when we find ourselves getting into um, sort of a rut where we're just praying about the same things and in the same way, uh, that can become a distraction. Sixth, he points out that we don't stick to the allotted time. So you come to a prayer meeting, you expect to be done at, uh, by a certain time, and, and it goes beyond, um, or it's, it's, you know, generally they're not cut short, but they tend to, meetings tend to go long. Um, and if you're not really praying, that distra- distraction and discouragement uh, could be a frustration keeping people away from prayer meetings. So sticking to an allotted time is important. And then lastly, he says, we forget that we are praying. That's a good one. We start thinking that we're kind of articulating a theological doctrine, and we want to make sure that the person next to us hears it clearly because we're going to say it just right, or that we're praying for someone else or, you know, whatever. We're praying in such a way that we want others to hear us rather than recognizing that we're praying to our creator, we're praying to our maker, and we're asking for him to show mercy and grace and give us wisdom like we need to be humbled by that, reminded, reminding ourselves that we are praying to God. I think that will help us. So anyways, I would encourage you to read the, the fuller article. It is, it is um, helpful, and, and if you've ever been frustrated by prayer meetings, um, it, might, it might be an encouragement to you. But last week, what we did was we just looked at uh, the larger catechism, 178, what is prayer? And I'll remind you, the answer is prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God in the name of Christ by the help of his spirit with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. So we considered how we come to God in humility, asking according to his will. So we are praying for our desires, but if we know God's word, then our desires should be formed and transformed by his word. And so that when we come to him in prayer, we come humbly. Uh, we come trusting that he hears our petitions. And so we, we pray in faith. We don't pray filled with doubts. Um, now, that, that might be just a comment. I mean, if that's something that you're struggling with at a particular time and you're doubting something, you might ask the Lord to remove that doubt. Right? I'm not saying it's wrong for you to admit that you have doubt um, and that you can't, God, God is big enough to hear you say that, right? I mean, it's not like you need to hide your doubts from God. But what I'm saying is we come to God with faith. We come to him trusting that he is hearing us, that he can answer us, right? So we want to come in that way, and we want to come persistently. We want to come often, praying regularly, constantly throughout the day. Uh, we also pray to God in the name of Christ, and, and that's not just a formula to kind of close out your prayer, uh, to, to give it authority, right? It, 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 it is partially that, but it's recognizing that we have an advocate who is seated at the right hand of God interceding for us. We recognize that as we pray, we are praying with the help of our Savior, that he is interceding on our behalf, advocating for us. In the same way, we have the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us when we don't know what to say, Romans 8, 26. 
I remember I've, I've mentioned this before, but Derek Thomas, in his one of his sermon series, the one that I remember most completely is his series on Romans 8 that he preached um, at First Pres Jackson while we were there. And I remember this verse that he preached on, and he talked about the Holy Spirit correcting our prayers as they ascend. And it was just a, a beautiful reminder, right, that I, I'm not always going to know how to say it. I may even mess up. I may, I may not say it precisely the way it's supposed to be said, but we have a spirit who corrects them, who can take those prayers, and in our sincerity, right, he, he makes them acceptable to God because we are accepted in Christ. I love that image. Prayer involves the confession of our sins, knowing that Christ alone can provide the assurance of pardon that we need to hear. And so we, would, we should come often. We should come daily confessing our sin, and not just sin in general, not just looking at others and talking about their sin, but talking about our own particular sins, confessing those particular ways that we've offended God, the ways that we've uh, lived according to our own uh, devices or according to our own will rather than him. So we want to confess those things freely to him and then ask for that forgiveness and that assurance of pardon from Christ. Well, the Westminster Larger Catechism goes on, and we're not going to look at all of these in detail, but um, from questions 179 and on, there's, there really is... Uh, it's a, a faithful summary of the scriptures, and you can look up all those scripture references as we did for the question on 178. But the next question is, are we to pray to God only? Short answer is yes. <laughs> um, you're not to pray to saints. You're not to pray to, uh, the, you know, to dead relatives. You're to pray to God. Um, he's the only one who can hear you. Um, and uh, and so that that takes you know I think some um, yeah that may require some correction if you've had a pattern of of sort of thinking of prayer as a, a way of communicating with those in the afterlife or something right? and we we want to avoid that we want to recognize that that the only one who can really hear our prayers is the triune God. So why do we, the next question, 180, is what is it to pray in the name of Christ? Well, among other things, it's to ask mercy for his sake. It's not just to, to like I mentioned already, to, to say his name as a formula to close our prayers, but it's actually acknowledging that we're trusting in Christ, and that our prayer is made acceptable because we are united to Christ by faith. And so we are asking mercy for his sake, trusting that, that God will delight to give us the things we need because he has not withheld his son from us. Why would he withhold any good gift from his children? Next, you see, why are we to pray um, sorry, uh, in the name of Christ? So we have, what is it to pray in the name of Christ? And then why are we to pray in the name of Christ? And that is because he is our only mediator. Again, we don't pray through another saint. We don't pray through Mary. We pray through Christ alone. Uh, one, question 182 is, how doth the Spirit help us to pray? And this is, uh, he gives us three things here, really, in this answer. The Spirit helps us to understand who to pray for, what to pray for, and how to pray. 
And then he also creates the right affections in us as we pray. But then he, uh, the larger catechism elaborates on each one of those, those three areas, who to pray for, what to pray for, and how to pray. So 183 says, for whom are we to pray? And that should include the whole church, magistrates, ministers, ourselves, brethren, enemies, and the living. Again, they clarify here, we're not to pray to the dead or for the dead. Uh, and it also adds 1 John 5.16, those who have sinned the sin unto death, we are not to pray for. Um, that'll have to be taught in another lesson. <laughs> but that, I, that idea is just, a, it's quite biblical, don't pray for, this, for these things. John encourages us uh, not to pray those who have sinned the sin unto death. Um, if you are aware of a person who has sinned in that way, um, then it would take, a, I would think, a supernatural insight to know that someone had sinned really what is uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, a sin that is unforgivable and un- unpardonable. Um, unless the, the Spirit gives you that direct insight, I, I would say if someone has breath in their lungs, there's potential for them to repent. And, uh, and so we pray for them in that way. Uh, but, but the whole list here could be overwhelming. And I, I used to think, I, I used to be frustrated because I'd go to church and I'd never hear per, like someone pray for our um, state officials or uh, the various concepts, you know, the various categories that we find here in this answer. And it's not saying that every time we pray, we have to pray for these things. I mean, honestly, that really would, you would spend all of your time doing nothing but praying. And if you were praying for anything and everything that's in that, that is listed in Scripture, but it is giving you categories to think about, right? that we should have our officials, the state officials on our minds. Um, we should have the church on our minds and those who have been placed in um, positions of ministry, um, leadership positions, should be praying for them for wisdom as they lead the church and shepherd the church. Um, praying even for our enemies, a challenging one, Right, but, but have you done that? Have you taken the time to pray for those that you don't really like? Maybe they're not necessarily enemies, but you just don't care for them. You don't want to be around them. Have you taken the time to do that? Because when you do, you oftentimes start to have a greater affection for them. And so these are good things to be praying for. Uh, next, what, what things are we to pray for? And the answer is things that glorify God, the welfare of the church, uh, the good of us and others. Um, but not for anything unlawful. We're not to use prayer as some uh, way to get around the law, you know, a way to use, use God for our own sinful purposes. Um, and then the last one I just want to simply summarize, and then we'll get more into depth as, it, as the questions specifically speak to the, um, on the Lord's Prayer. But 185, and I'll, I'll read this one entirely. How are we to pray? And it says, we are to pray with an awful apprehension. Awful in the sense of full of awe, right? The old English version of that word. With an awful apprehension of the majesty of God and deep sense of our own unworthiness, necessities, and sins with penitent, thankful, and enlarged hearts, with understanding, faith, 
sincerity, fervency, love, and perseverance, waiting upon him with humble submission to his will. So some good guidance there in how. What's the, what should be our state as we pray? What should be our posture in prayer? So all of these are excellent questions. Again, I encourage you to take them home with you and, and consider the scripture uh, references which uh, are summarized in these answers. Um, but I do want to jump ahead to the next few questions and elaborate on those. And my plan in the, in the next few months is to take um, the, the Lord's Prayer and to break it down by its prologue, each petition, and then its, its conclusion. And to um, spend a week each time on just, just each one of those. We may do two, depending, but, but to just consider the, um, you know, the preface to the Lord's Prayer. Take some time to consider the different scripture passages that relate to that. But I wanted to take today to just set up what the confession teaches us about the Lord's Prayer in general. So question 186 says this, what rule hath God given for our direction in the duty of prayer? We read the whole word of God is of use to direct us in the duty of prayer, but the special rule of direction is that form of prayer which our Savior Christ taught his disciples, commonly called the Lord's Prayer. So here, the answer is all of God's word provides direction in our prayers because it reveals to us his divine will. We should use all of scripture in our prayers. Our, um, our desires begin to align with his will as we come to know him through his word. And that's why you can you can share your desires to God because you're, in your worship of him, he is transforming your heart, right? He is changing you so that your will aligns with his. And that is why we can ask for things with confidence, knowing that we are asking according to his will. That's 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Uh, but the Lord's Prayer, it, it says, is a special rule of direction. So you have all of God's word that can be used, but then there's this special rule of direction found in the Lord's Prayer that's here in Luke 11, 2 through 4, and then also in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, where Matthew really elaborates on a few of the clauses and then adds a conclusion as well. So Matthew um, uh, includes that instruction from Jesus during his Sermon on the Mount. Here in Luke, it's, it's a, at a later time given. Well, we've seen that before. And we actually mentioned it last week that sometimes Luke uh, um, places the events in Jesus' life in a logical order that's not necessarily chronological, right? And oftentimes he'll he'll, uh, tweak things around so that it has sense with the passage that comes before it. Um, But in all likelihood, both could be right, right? That Jesus didn't just teach about prayer at, at one time in his three years of ministry. It wasn't as if that was the only time he ever taught about it was during the Sermon on the Mount. No, in in all likelihood here, and it tells us at the beginning of our passage, Jesus was praying in a certain place. The disciples saw him praying. Maybe they overheard him praying. They saw him doing this often, and they said, there's something different about his prayers. There's something different about his posture, about his trust, about the intimacy which he, he prays with his father that we want to learn, that we want to mature ourselves in. It was a good desire for them to ask about it. And so, again, he teaches them. He answers their question about prayer. Um, 
notice in this case, too, the instruction, uh, well, as I just mentioned, it comes as they are witnessing Jesus in prayer. So they saw him praying. They wanted to understand how they could pray like him. And then certainly they saw him praying in a way that showed sincerity and confidence uh, that they had not witnessed before. We could compare this to the prayers that we have examples of, of Pharisees praying out in, in public with pride and, and comparing themselves to others. It was, uh, it was not that, you know, Christ did not pray in that way. He was unique. The next question we see, how is the Lord's Prayer to be used? And it, the answer is, the Lord's Prayer is not only for direction as a pattern according to which we are to make other prayers, but may also be used as a prayer so that it be done with understanding, faith, reverence, and other graces necessary to the right performance of the duty of prayer. So really, two, two answers here are given. The Lord's Prayer can be used to teach us about categories for prayer, and we considered that last week. Remember, we talked about adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, that acronym ACTS. You have uh, categories of prayer in the Lord's Prayer, and so it gives you a, a model in that way. There's a, a manner of praying. And you can look at each petition in the prayer and determine what it is. So, for instance, you might say that the first petition is, hallowed be your name. And that's about acknowledging and adoring God for his holiness. So recognizing maybe the attributes of God in adoration would, would be included in that first petition. Or we might note that the fifth petition teaches us to confess our sins and seek forgiveness. It's not saying you have to use this precise language here but that you should be regularly confessing your sins and seeking forgiveness. Um, that's a good way of analyzing the Lord's Prayer. The De Westminster Divines uh, agreed with using the Lord's Prayer in that way and then incorporate, incorporating that as a, a guide into your own prayer life. Uh, but the Lord's Prayer can itself be recited as a prayer in its own right. Uh, there's nothing magical about the about just reciting the words as if saying the right words again uh, accomplishes or, or makes your prayer acceptable. It's, it's not a formula that conjures up a genie who grants you everything that you're praying uh, when you pr pray it precisely in this way. But when we pray these words, it says, with understanding, faith, reverence, and other graces necessary to the right performance of the duty of prayer, that's when it serves as a genuine prayer from our heart. So it's not, a, it's not wrong to use written prayers. They can be a helpful guide for us. And as it engages our heart, as we pray with understanding, faith, and reverence, it becomes a genuine prayer of our own. And so we should use those tools. And, and that's why I say there's a wealth, obviously, in Scripture. There's uh, resources in, in our creeds and catechisms and confessions there's also prayers that, are, are, uh, that have been written and recorded for us, saints of old that have, that have gone and, and, and left their journals for us to peruse and to appreciate the way that they brought their petitions before the Lord. Um, sometimes that can be the greatest uh, form of teaching that we receive is by reading these prayers that, um, that others have prayed. Um, so this answer comes from verses uh, just preceding prayer in Matthew and Luke, and in Matthew, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray 
after this manner. That's how Matthew says it. Pray after this manner, kind of speaking about praying in these, about these categories or in this fashion. But then in Luke, Jesus simply says, when you pray, say. Say these things. So taking them at their word, we can use the Lord's Prayer in both those ways. We can recite it word for word, and we can also use it to, to guide us as a, a manner or a form for prayer. Uh, the next question, question 88 or 188, says, how, of how many parts doth the Lord's Prayer consist? This is a pretty short and simple answer. The Lord's Prayer consists of three parts, a preface, petitions, and a conclusion. So the preface is simply how we address God. In general, we should begin by addressing God the Father. We might say, Father, Luke 11.2 says that. Matthew 6.9 says, Our Father in heaven. Um, oftentimes I say, Heavenly Father. But I think that in general, we, we use some version of that as we pray to our Father. The question you might be thinking is, does this mean it's out of accord with Scripture to pray to Jesus or to pray to the Holy Spirit? Have you ever asked those questions? Well, I would say the answer to that is no, it's not out of accord. If you're praying to God, who is a triune God, then, then all three persons of the Godhead can be prayed to. As long as we are praying to God, it's appropriate to pray to him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul refers to the saints as those who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Calling upon Jesus in prayer, 1 Corinthians 1-2. You might even consider Stephen as he was being martyred, as praying, crying out to the Lord, right? Crying out to Jesus and having a vision there. Uh, Revelation 22-20. The, the last verse in, in that closes out God's word is a prayer to Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, calling upon him to come. So certainly Jesus can hear our prayers. But I think the Lord's Prayer, along with many examples we find in Scripture, does provide us with a helpful pattern that should probably serve as our normal practice. Um, it makes sense with the whole counsel of God's word that we should pray to the Father, in the name of Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's oftentimes how they're described in that economic trinity, right? As their various roles, it reminds us of what the Father has done, what Jesus has done in his redeeming us, um, and, and as the Father adopts us as children, and, and as the Spirit helps us and intercedes for us. All of those things are encouragements for us and guides for us in prayer. So I think our typical address should begin by acknowledging God the Father. The next section of the Lord's Prayer is to consider all the petitions. Um, and there are a total of six petitions contained in the prayer. And as I've already mentioned, my plan is to take each one of those petitions and to spend a week on it. And I think that'll, that'll just enlarge our, our view of, of how we pray for those things um, and using, using Scripture to guide us in those prayers. And then we'll wrap up the series by looking at the Lord's Prayer by considering the conclusion that you find in Matthew. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we will conclude now by praying the Lord's Prayer together. As I've hopefully shown you that this is a valid way of praying, 
Uh, if you're in your Trinity Psalter hymnal, you can look at um, the Heidelberg question 119, which is on page 894. That's the only place in the Trinity Psalter hymnal where you have the full um, Lord's Prayer provided. It also really comes out of Matthew, but depending on the version that you have in front of you, um, I wanted to make sure that we would be praying together. So I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. Is everyone there? All right. Let us pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me close this in prayer as well. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you have given us this model of prayer, that you've given us some guidance in our praying, uh, that you've given us some principles for prayer. And you taught your disciples to pray in this way. And, and then you provided throughout your word examples of, of saints praying and giving instruction on prayer in the epistles. And Lord, this is a, a healthy practice for us to consider. It is oftentimes uh, one of the, our greatest challenges to, to use. It's one of the most neglected means of grace, is to come to you in prayer. Um, help us to recognize how important prayer is. Help us to prioritize that in our lives. And help us to respond now as we... Uh, continue to worship you and, and to reflect upon these things as we pray for one another. Lord, let us keep these uh, petitions on our hearts and to engage in communion with you on behalf of each other throughout the week. It's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen.